As we've been talking a lot about uh, 2020, our biggest problem is not uh, the pandemic. Our biggest problem is a lack of connection. And so please, when you leave today, make sure you go by the groups 10. See the groups that are available. And we're praying that many of you would become leaders as well. So please, please, whatever you do, uh, go by the tent. For those of you who are watching online, please go to ccvlive.com forward slash groups. Besides all of the terrible things that have been going on in 2020, can't we all admit that 2020 has been the best year for memes? The memes have been incredible, right? I love this one. Waking up every morning in 2020, be like, let's see, where were we? Oh, yes, in the pit of despair, right, Princess Bride? Uh, some of your kids feel this way right here, right? So uh, when COVID is over, you can finally go to the eighth grade, right, finish school. Uh, every parent right now feels like this, right, making that face right there. And that's because of 2020 was a math problem. If you're going down a river at two miles an hour and your canoe loses a wheel, how much pancake mix would you need to reshingle your roof, right? That's how much sense 2020 makes. I love this one. Oh, great. NASA says an asteroid is heading our way right before the election. Who had election asteroid on their 2020 bingo card? And I love this one. Uh, 2020 every second. But wait, there's more, right? It keeps going, right? Depression in 2020 skyrocketing. Uh, racial injustice and protests skyrocketing. Separations skyrocketing. Divorce skyrocketing. Addictions skyrocketing. The only thing that's scarier than all of this is this. What if 2020 is just a trailer for 2021, right? Let's hope not. You know, believe it or not, the people who could really empathize with what we're going through were the people that lived in the first century in what we call Asia Minor. In 64 AD, the emperor Nero uh, scapegoat Christians, blamed Christians for a fire, which essentially he set. And so that sparked persecution all throughout the Mediterranean world. And the people that lived in ancient Turkey in an area called Asia Minor were really catching the brunt of it. So the apostle Peter fires off this letter, which actually is a sermon to be spoken out loud in the churches. He sends this sermon letter with a bunch of carriers and they go through Asia Minor on this route from Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, over to Asia, over to Bithynia, encouraging people to fight to the finish, not to give up. And so the passage we're gonna look at today, last week we looked at the introduction to 1 Peter. Today we're gonna look at the first piece of advice that Peter gives and what I see is three actual concrete, concrete pieces of advice. And so I have a question to ask you. If someone came up to you and said, I need you to tell me something that would give me strength and keep me going in the midst of all of this, what would you say to them? This is Peter's answer. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your heart on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you was holy, so be holy 
in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. It wasn't in silver or gold that saved you from your sins, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was perfect. He had to suffer because of our sins. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. uh, Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. And now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living, enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. The first thing that Peter tells us in this passage, the encouragement that he gives us is, when you're suffering, you have to prepare yourself mentally. Like you need to change your way of thinking. Like he says in verse 13, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. And the NIV doesn't really translate this because it comes across as kind of crass. But it was a first century saying. Uh, What verse 13 literally says is, pull up the pants of your mind. It's kind of comical when you think of it. Pull up the pants of your mind. Like, pull up the loins of your mind. So I have a question for you. When you, like, you're going to sit down and you're going to watch TV for a while. You're going to binge on Netflix. You're going to watch a movie. You're going to watch a show. What do you put on? What do you wear? Help me out. Pajamas, shorts. Are there any guys in the room that, like, unzip their pants a little bit? Raise your hand if you do that. You unzip your pants a little bit. You do? Okay, you're going to go to hell. Okay, so... Right, guys might do that, right? Especially if you don't have kids at home. I'm going to unzip my pants a little bit, right? And what Peter's saying is if you unzip your pants a little bit or you're in pajamas or you're in shorts, whatever it is, and you hear a big clanging noise out in your garage or outside of the house, you're going to get up and pull your pants up. You're going to gird your loins. You're going to prepare yourself because you're going to go out and you're going to fight, potentially, to protect your home. And that's what Peter is saying is that Christians up to this point have been in a relaxed state. No one has treated them any differently. Then Nero turns around and starts persecuting Christians. Now suddenly everybody's persecuting Christians. And so they have to change their thinking. They have to pull up the loins of their mind. In other words, as, so the 1982 version of the New International Version, I think, translated this the best. They said, prepare your minds for action. You need, to get, you need to think differently. The first task of going to war on suffering is preparing your mind for battle. 
And what we have to do is fix, to fix our thinking and understanding of what we can and cannot change. And let me, let me tell you specifically what I mean by that. The Stoic philosopher Epictetus said, Epictetus said, in life, our first job is this, to divide and distinguish things into two categories. Externals I can't control. And then the other category is the choices I make with regard to them that I do control. And I have found that many Christians have never really pulled up the loins of their mind, and so they get caught off guard when difficult things come. So uh, Marcus Aurelius, uh, the Stoic philosopher, used to talk about the inner citadel. Like there is a, inside of you, there is this place that you can go that it doesn't really matter what happens to you. You can lose a job, or you can have difficulty in a relationship, or you can have a sickness, whatever it is, or you can be in the middle of the pandemic, that there is a place inside of you that's still, that you have learned that you can't control all of these externals. And this is what Peter is saying, that in the midst of this suffering, by girding up the loins of your mind, what essentially you're doing is you're creating two categories. Like, there are the people that are mistreating us, I can't control that. But uh, what I can could do is I can't control my response. So the great theologian Reinhold Niebuhr put it this way, and AA basically has adopted this saying, God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Some of you know this right by heart. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And so essentially, uh, in AA or NA or our different recovery systems, essentially what people are doing is they're training their mind. This is what I can change, I, and what I can do is I, can, I can't change that, but I can change my response to it. I accept it. It's a part of reality. And so what Peter says is what we can change is our own behavior. And the way that he talks about this is he talks about our need to be holy. And holiness comes from uh, the word in the Old Testament, which simply means to be separate, to be different. And what Peter essentially is saying in this, pa in this passage is, you can't control that people are treating you like garbage, and they're mistreating you, and it's difficult. But what you can do is you can focus on yourself, that you can become more like God in this process. As obedient children, that you're to become holy because I am holy. And so being holy means to be separate, to be different, and we use God as our point of comparison. And so um, the interesting thing is I want you to notice this. I want you to notice verse 17. If you get nothing out of this talk, I want you to understand this. Peter says, the motivation for wanting to change our sin, the things that we do that are broken, is to understand what it costs Jesus to pay for that sin, okay? So look at what it says. You know that it was not with perishable things. Basically, when you were saved from your sin and you became a Christian, it wasn't because you shelled out a bunch of cash and made it rain. It's because Jesus had to die to pay for that sin. 
Let me give you a perfect example of this. Uh, we have a six-month-old six puppy named Meadow. Meadow is an absolute sweetheart. She is the, the most loving puppy. She's a cuddly puppy. Uh, she's an absolute sweetheart. This is us cruising around in my Jeep. So I've got a whole strap, you know, she's all in. But she wants to be right there with me, even though she has this harness and that sort of thing. Um, this morning, uh, she came at 5 in the morning. You know, we usually get up early, uh, about 4 in the morning or 5. And she's like, hey, let's do this. And I'm like, I'm trying to sneak out. And she's like, hey, let's do this. So we go out early in the morning. And uh, she comes in. And all of a sudden, she's foaming at the mouth. Have you ever had a dog do this? I was petrified. Just foaming at the I'm talking foam falling out of her mouth. And all of a sudden, she starts vomiting everywhere. Like everywhere, she's vomiting and foam. And it was just, I freaked out. I called the vet. The vet sent me to a, a specialty line for a vet that was in Norristown. And the vet said, did she eat anything this morning? And I said, oh, I didn't feed her breakfast, but outside I, she picked up a toad, which is common where we live. She picked up a toad and threw it up in the air. And then she, and then she started laughing. She was like, I get this call literally once a day. Toads to dogs taste terrible. And so they salivate and they foam at the mouth to get this nastiness out of their mouth. And so I immediately took a toothbrush. I started brushing her tongue and her teeth and that sort of thing. And then all of a sudden, she started to do it again. And so she vomited. And then I went and I got like three or four paper towels and I put it on top of the vomit. And then she did it again. And I got three or four towels, put it up here. This happened seven times. And then I yelled out, and I'm going to cuss here, but I'm not actually going to say the word. I'll be like, you know, and I didn't say the word here, but I said the word there. And how many of you have ever said that word before? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Going to hell. Going to hell. Going to hell. You're going to hell, right? I was just so furious at this stupid dog because she was mouthing this toad and she's literally throwing up 10 times. It's everywhere. There are towels everywhere over these barf puddles. And um, this is a first century Roman pylum. This is a spearhead. This is actually, I got this from an antiquities dealer. This is a Roman pylum that um, was attached to a wooden spear. And a, a, a Roman uh, officer would carry four of these. And they were thin spears that they would carry with them. And if they were ever in a crowd, they could throw them real fast. Or they could stab, stab people with it. When we sin... What Peter is telling us that we need to do, whether you swore like me, and the Bible tells us in Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs. You sin like me, or you did something else. What Peter is saying is, I want you to remember Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane being betrayed and then handcuffed, taken to the guard area 
and beaten to a pulp, whipped, his back being shredded, almost to the point of unconsciousness so he couldn't carry the beam of his cross and someone else had to carry it. Picture Jesus going out to Golgotha where the crucifixion nail that I had last week is being nailed into his body. They're lifting him up on a tree at nine o'clock in the morning and he hangs for six hours until three o'clock in the afternoon. And then finally, as an act of mercy, a Roman guard, it says in John 19.34, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a pilum. And this is what killed him. This is what killed him. And what Peter is saying is that the motivation to be holy, to change our behavior, to become more like Jesus and to sin less, is to realize what it cost to pay for and to forgive that one sin. You're like, and I'm like, that's not that big of a deal that I said the D word this morning. The dog vomited everywhere. But it was. And all of the other sins that we've ever done, just one of them would have cost Jesus his life. And Peter's like, listen, you were not redeemed from the empty way of life with someone with giving silver and gold, but it cost Jesus his life. And when we think of that, we think twice now before we sin, don't we? We think twice now before we're so easily caught up into something. We want to be holy when we realize what it costs Jesus. And so Peter is saying we can't control others. We can only control ourselves. So be holy and do that by being mindful of what it took to Jesus to pay for our sin. And what we can't change then, Peter is saying, is other people. I want you to think, for those of you who are old enough, do you remember what Muslims were treated? How they were treated in the first six months after 9-11? Like people were so worried that Muslims were going to come to this country and take over the country. Not after 9-11. They were treated terribly. Terribly. As some crazy extremists. And it was the same thing in the first century. All of a sudden... The suspicion grew in the first century for our brothers and sisters. Every earthquake, every famine, every sickness was blamed on the Christians. And Peter comes along and he's like, listen, you want to know what will change your perspective? Here's what will change your perspective. All people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And you and I are like, I don't get it. Why should that change my perspective about other people? Now, I've been to Israel three times. In the winter, in the rainy season, you see these beautiful flowers sprout from the ground. Here is Dan the Man Reichel, our outreach pastor, standing in a field of flowers. You know, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus talks about the lilies of the field. There they are. That's in the winter. That's in January, February, March. April and May, it's beautiful. And you want to know what happens by June and July? 
This is what happens. The same fields. The flower and the grass, gone, burned up. And what Peter is saying is that you and I can't control our behavior, but we can control how we view other people and how we view our own lives. And we need to realize that our lives are like grass. It comes and it goes. Now, the people that were in uh, Peter's community in those churches, they would have known that Peter is quoting Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40 was originally written to Jewish people who were in captivity in Babylon. In fact, in Isaiah 40, in that passage, God yells out, comfort, comfort my people, says God. Speak tenderly, Jerusalem. And Isaiah calls out, a voice calls out, what shall I say? How do I comfort people? And God says, you tell them all people are like grass and their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. In other words, they're here today and they're gone tomorrow. I've been criticized before, and, um, but I've never been criticized more severely than by another pastor when I lived in Ohio. It was the weirdest thing. Have you ever been criticized behind your back, like at work or by someone in the neighborhood, and you're like, what's going on? Maybe some of you have criticized me, and you're going to hell. And so, um, but this guy was just so mean, like I didn't even know him, and I was like, I just kept hearing from people all of the terrible things he was saying about me. And then, you know what happened? He died. Let that be a lesson to you. <laughs> right, no. No, he was an old guy, right? So, but he, he, he was critical, and then he died. And that's what Peter is saying, right? So that boss that made your life a living hell... Eventually, what's going to happen to that boss is going to die. Your ex, some of you have been divorced, you have kids, you're like, oh, I love where he's going with this one, right? Your ex that was just a jerk, what's going to happen? They're going to be dead. You know what's going to happen to every single person in this room sometime in the next 30 to 50 years? You're going to be dead, Gone. You're, we're all like grass in February in Israel. We're like flowers in May. Two months later, flowers are gone. And Peter is like, this ought to be what you're thinking about when you're suffering, when you're going through the pandemic, that I could die at any moment. Marcus Aurelius said, you could leave right now. Let that determine what you do and say and think. Like literally, there's no guarantee that the people that are watching and the people that are here today will be here next week. No guarantee. James said our life is but a mist. Here today and then gone. One of my favorite authors, Ryan Holiday, said, quote, we may not say it, but deep down, we act and behave like we're invincible, like we're impervious to the trials and the tribulations of mortality. That stuff happens to other people, not to me. I have plenty of time left. And so the great Stoic philosophers used to have a saying in Latin, 
memento more. Remember, you are mortal. And Peter comes along and he tells his people, you're suffering, but man, your life is going to be over quick. And the people that are doing all the persecution, their life's going to be over too. Think and act accordingly. If you knew you were going to die two months from now, how would that change how you think? How you relate to people, what you're going to do today? If you knew you were going to be gone a year from now, how does that change how you think about the pandemic? The pandemic is the least of your worries if you're not going to be here a year from now. If memento more, if you're girding up the loins of your mind and you realize that I could not be here four years from now, it changes things. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful for what you're doing in our community, the connections that you're bringing about, but more importantly, as your disciples, you're changing our thinking. We can't change this pandemic, but we are responsible and we can change ourselves and how we respond. Help us to think like disciples of Jesus. Help to expunge from our minds and our worldview the inherited systems of thought that have crept in and help us to gird up the loins of our minds so that we understand that our lives are but grass like the flowers of the field and let that perspective change us from the inside out we pray in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com